Sharing old stories can often create a sense of belonging for those who live in small rural communities. But how can you go about bringing the past to life? Hi everyone, I'm Johnny Thompson and welcome to the Village Halls podcast sponsored by Allied Westminster, the UK's largest specialist provider of Village Hall insurance and the home of Village God. Now, before I introduce my first guest of 2023, let me just say how great it is to be back with a podcast and many, many thanks to all of you out there who listen in. To begin season three, Today, I'm going to be talking to Stuart Plant, who is chairman of Middleton and Aislby Village Hall. Stuart has spent more than five years gathering all kinds of information and stories about his village in North Yorkshire, which has not only led to a a very thick book, but also to the idea of a vast digital memory bank to preserve the past for future generations. Hi, Stuart. Thanks for taking time out to join me today. Hi, Johnny. It's good to be with you. Thanks for thanks for coming on. Now, Stuart, before we go on to talk about, well, your amazing local project, tell me a little bit about Middleton and Aislby, how you came to live there, and also how you, well, <laughs> volunteered, <laughs> is that the right word, <laughs> to, to be chairman of the hall there? Yeah, yes. Well, I, I retired here after finishing work in York. Yeah. And I came to Middleton basically because it's flat. And uh, I'd <laughs> had a problem with my with my heart and needed somewhere flat to live so that I could walk about and cycle about and do the things that I needed to do. Okay. And uh, here was Middleton uh, in the flattest part of North Yorkshire. Fantastic. So here I am. <laughs> and uh, my, my association with the Village Hall was, I guess, like many, many people who take a passing interest in these things, go to a meeting, and then find that they've got some kind of role within the organization uh, very quickly, (laughs) because they're always looking for volunteers to, uh, to help and support what they're doing, and quite rightly too. Brilliant. Yeah, it's amazing how many times I hear that, to be honest with you. Yes. (laughs) Now, people everywhere... Um, seem to have a fascination for the past, don't they, Stuart? We see we see this with popular TV shows like Who Who Do You Think You Are and all kinds of historical films and books, and and people seem to have a passion as well for compiling family trees and so on. Why Why do you think so many of us are interested in the past? Well, it it, it is a difficult one because I think it's different for so many people. There are different reasons why people do it. Yeah. But I think that in the main, there is this real fascination with change. And I think mm. at our age, uh, the, the older ones of us in the community can actually measure the, the speed of change. We've seen it happen. Yeah. We have press cuttings and photographs and things of how things used to be. And now we're in an age where those things almost don't matter anymore because photographs are on your telephone and the, the speed of change is digital and so quick, you almost don't recognize it. Yeah, it's very true. So I think that there's this hankering, uh, this nostalgia mm-hmm. for us to look back and re- recapture and re-embrace the kind of things that we knew about when we were children yeah. and, and our parents and when they were children to try and hold on to something that actually means something. It had a value. It had some kind of... Um, connection 
it's almost like a sense of belonging that you're talking yeah. about, isn't it? Yes, I think it is. And and when when you live in a in a small community, things are remembered for a long, long time, and uh, people yeah. do have these kind of connections with the past, which uh, which are very, very important. Yeah, and the longer you can kind of look back and reflect on that that past, then the more you feel you're, you're, you're part of something. That's right, that's right. But it does need people to tell the stories. That's the thing. People who are in those communities who are prepared to tell the tales and keep telling the tales and keep telling, even though they get exaggerated and changed over time, yeah. uh, there's a kernel of truth in all of the stories that you hear from way, 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 way past. That's true. And, and stories, strangely, are in some way very calming. They're very reassuring, and, and, and as well as being entertaining and informative as, as well, of course. I think so. And I think that they're, they're, they're a kind of a therapy also yeah. for people, particularly now when you get, you get so many people suffering from dementia and associated diseases that they're, they're kind of coat hooks that they kind of pin memories on. And uh, they're needed by those people so that they can connect with their lives as they are now. Yeah, and that, I mean, that fits nicely. I think you, you, you have a quote in the book, don't you, at the beginning of it from uh, Oliver, Oliver Sachs. That's right. Where That's you say, right. I think it's the telling of our life stories. I'm reading from from the book here, just in case anybody thinks that I'm, I actually know this off by heart. <laughs> I'm just looking at your book here, and it says the telling of our life stories is perhaps one of the most therapeutic tools available to mankind. And I think, yeah, I think there's a there's a strong truth in that. Yes, I think you're right. There is, yes. And so, with all that in mind, a few years back, you embarked on a well, a major project by gathering all kinds of information. It all started off, Jenny, when people yeah. kept knocking at my door, asking if I knew, where, because I live across from the, the church graveyard, yeah. and uh, people kept knocking on my door, asking if I had the keys for the church, or, or did I know where their ancestor was buried? <laughs> and I could, only, I could only give them kind of a general direction, really. Yeah. Uh, but then it seemed to me that we ought to have something in the village, something in the church or somewhere, where people could, in fact, reference where their folks were buried, where their ancestors were buried. And people were coming from all over the world. I mean, America and Japan and people were coming and saying, you know, my great uncle, my great grandfather, my great great grandfather is buried somewhere in here. So I set about digitalizing the the graveyards so that in the church now there's a computer where you can actually go and press buttons and it brings up photographs and locations and things of the graveyard. And to get to that point, that obviously we gathered a whole raft of information yeah. about the families that were actually in the graveyard and the people that were there, and also some of their stories. And it seemed like a, a, a natural extension from that to look at both of the villages to see what we could do in terms of capturing as much information as we could into some kind of project of some kind or another and a book seemed to be the most obvious thing to do although we also had oral histories and we also had film as well so we did something different with those but uh, the the book was the kind of main 
focus of the project. Yeah, and isn't it amazing how that curiosity from people just kind of visiting the the, the village has spiraled into oh, what, what is it? It's 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 a yeah. The the book is called Bygone Reflections, and it's yeah. a, it's about two hundred. Well, it's two hundred and sixty nine pages long so and it's a4 size so there's a yeah. there's a there's a lot in there it's really as i say spiraled into into something something big hasn't it yes it's i think the, the subtitle the the kind of compendium of, of memories is really what it is i think yeah. it, it is that and it's interesting how it enables people and it did enable people to begin to talk about the past and, and about that ancestry that you speak of yeah. You know, we, I, I went around to see people and had a little microphone with me, and they would say, I've got nothing to say, I've got nothing to say, I, I don't know. And, <laughs> and then three or four hours later, you were still there, yes. listening to them tell and recall all the stories of, you know, their childhood and their marriages and their, their children and their parents and so on and so forth. So there's a great kind of richness of resource that is there still untapped because we only used about 20% of what we gathered in the book. Yeah. So there's a whole raft of stuff still to be uh, used in some way. Yeah. Well, we'll get on to maybe how you how you're going to be using that in in due course, but there's one there's one thing I'd, I'd really like to highlight and it's a feature of the book that I that I love and it's very clever. Um is that as you're flicking through it you get kind of somewhere around the middle and there's four suddenly four blank pages. Tell, tell me about that, Stuart, and how that works. Yes, that, that was um, – we, we were actually looking for funding for this project, but didn't manage to get any, so we raised yeah. the money locally to fund this project. And the idea is that every village, every house in the village, that's uh, 203 houses in both villages, received a free or a complimentary copy of the book. Yeah. And, uh, and the idea was that uh, the four blank pages – uh, have to be filled in by the current occupant of the house mm-hmm. where they can tell their story. They can put photographs in, they can do whatever they want to do with it. Yep. But the deal is that when they leave, they leave the book behind mm-hmm. for the people who come into their property after them. So that as well as the kind of you know the instructions for the boiler and everything else, you also have a book which tells the new people who've moved into the house, who've chosen to come and live in the village, about the people who lived in the house before them, and also about the village and the community that they've moved into. So that's the, that was the deal. And people have really responded to that in a very, very positive way. So that's been really good. Excellent. And the, and, and the book itself is full of all kinds of tales, isn't it? There's, there's, there's missing wedding rings as a, a bomb. Uh, well, is it a bomb in the village? A, a, a disrespectful policeman, and even I, I, I remember there was something about the unearthing of two skeletons back in the nineteen. That's, 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 that's never been that's never been resolved. That I mean, there, there are talks of it being some sort of a Quaker graveyard. Yeah, but of course we'll make it. We'll make it the most interesting story that we possibly can. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> what, what, what what's this, one of the standard ones for? For you, Stuart. Well, the, the, the two the two big ones in the village, of course, are, are the one about the uh, the silver chalice that was found in the uh, the loft in the old vicarage, right? And uh, which became a a real kind of f- a focal point for a dispute between the churchgoers mm-hmm. and the, the the I don't know what you call them, the the purists really about yeah. what should happen to this uh, this chalice, which was worth. 
25,000, it was a 14th century chalice. Yeah. And of course, one group wanted to sell it because the church needed a new roof. And the other group didn't want to sell it because they didn't know who it belonged to. I love it. So there was a great kind of dispute. The very definition of a poison chalice, yeah. Yes, it was, it was quite interesting. But anyway, the uh, the church people won and they sold it and it went off down to the, and he's now at, is, is it Goldsmiths, I think it is in London? Yeah. Where it's, where it's kept as a very, very fine example of uh, silversmithing of, of that period. So that was one. The second one was the, the, the couple who had a, uh, an old cottage that they were that they were refurbishing and invited the antique dealer around who went round the house and looked at all the brown furniture. And in the bedroom, he noticed that there was a fire screen in the bottom of the, fire, the old fireplace. And it turned out to be a painting of uh, the hair by Hans Hoffmann, uh, a 15th century painting, which was valued at 2.5 million. Wow. And is now in the Paul Getty collection. Yeah, uh, they didn't get two point five million. It's 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 enhanced its value since then, but it was worth a tidy sum at the time. So they're the two kind of you know big stories that uh, fantastic. And as you mentioned, of course, as well, you've been as you've been gathering all these stories, you've amassed a huge amount of digital audio and and film files and all things like that. And you, you've got plans for those as well, haven't you? Well, what we would like to do, and, and this is all about time and resources, really, but what we would love to do is, uh, as I mentioned, we've got probably 15 hours of film that we've collected from various sources. Yeah. The village was very big on pantomimes. They used to do a village pantomime, which were absolutely hilarious these oh, days. Oh, yes. Yeah. And other things. Anyway, so 15 hours of film, and uh, we would, and we, we reduced it down to one and a half hours. So when we launched the book in September, we had a film night and we had, ran it over two nights and we had a full house on each on each occasion. Uh, and um, we would like to do something with the remainder of the film. And also we've, we've now started taking film of today as well because uh, there was a great gap when between like 1990 and today, there's been no film made really of yeah. anyone, anything in the village. Everything's captured on telephones these days mm -hmm. uh, and so we would like to do something with that so we're looking in october to do an exhibition of photographs and do some kind of visual arts project so that yeah. we can bring other aspects of this together and then in the longer term look at uh, providing some kind of digital memory bank linked to our website so that people in the village can access all this material, which belongs to them. All these photographs and these stories and all these resources belong to the village. So we'd like to be able to have it accessible to them. Um, but it's looking at the best way of doing that and how we can make it accessible to people who are tech-focused, but also those who are not tech-focused. Tremendous. It sounds like you've started a never-ending project Stuart. <laughs> yeah. so sometimes it feels a bit like that yeah but i guess at the same time what a fantastic legacy i mean kind of springing ahead 100 years from now this is going to be fascinating material for for people in the area to tap into not just the, the stuff from your past but the the what will become the past Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a, it's, it's quite a thing, really. I mean, we don't think about it in those terms, but other people do see it, and uh, we're, we're just trying to. What we're trying to do, in a sense, is use these things to create opportunities for people in the village to engage, 
with yeah. what is happening. You know, it's a rural area. There's this whole thing about isolation and loneliness in rural areas. And it's about finding topics and subjects and opportunities for those people to engage and come together to share what they have and uh, and support each other through what is turning out to be quite a very a difficult time for people. It's a great way of attracting new people as well, isn't it, that uh, have come to the village like you did yeah, a few years back. Uh, it's immediately something that you can you can plug into and you can get curious about to find out what, what, what your new home, your new village that you live in is all about and and some of the stories from the part from its past. That's right, that's right. And and, and I think it, it, it does work, but it takes time. It yeah. takes time. Yeah. Now hopefully there's a few people out there who are thinking that they could do something similar for their village community. What would you what would you say to anyone thinking of embarking on a on a similar project to yours? Well, the immediate reaction, Johnny, is don't. <laughs> but, but in seriousness, I think I think it's about the, the it's about the collection of the material. Yeah, and I think in many ways that the the product, the book, at the end of it is is the least important mm-hmm. uh, thing. It's it's the journey uh, that people yeah. talk about the journey these days. But it is about the journey. It's about going to see people, knocking on their door, talking to them. And in that chat and that gathering of information, making connections for people and giving people the opportunity to engage with with the project in many, many different ways. So there are some ladies that we've been to see in the village who who told stories, and now they're part of a textile group that are making some kind of um, wall hanging for for the village hall, and they're involved in that. Others may be involved in delivering the village meal that we have once a month, uh, and they come and serve or set the tables or do whatever else is. So it's about interlacing all those things. And and this is just a part of it that kind of threads its way through, but it's an important thread. It's a connection. And uh, I guess as well as not underestimating the the amount of work involved, it's also really important not to underestimate the value i mean unless someone takes a task like this on like you have then the, the past can be lost and all those incredible stories that you mentioned important yeah, lessons from yeah. history just fade away don't they yeah they, they do and and it would it, it, i mean i was i was thinking about this the other day when people were talking about their their photographs people want they show you photographs of their grandparents or their great-grandparents old photographs from the you know the 1890s 1900s and so on and they they say to me what am i going to do with these because my 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 grandchildren don't want them my son doesn't want them and you kind of feel that all this all this material is going to become a a casualty of the house clearance yeah you know it's yeah. going to disappear and we've got to find a way or, or People have to find a way, maybe, of, of capturing that. Because when you say to people, oh, you should digitalize these, they all raise their eyebrows, you know, and their glasses fall over their eyes and they kind of go into a mist. <laughs> and it's, it's like, you know, what, what can we do to retain all that very valuable resource yeah. against what's going to be a, di- a difficult time, I think. They're so heavy, aren't they, photographs, and people will just yeah. get rid of them. And that's the that's the beauty of that word digital, isn't it? Is it the the possibilities in terms of storage and being able to access that has opened up so much in in recent years. That's right, and and I think that comes back to again to your very first question, wasn't it? About you know the, the fact that the technology is here and we can measure it through technology. 
yeah. that uh, it, it, that's one of the fascinations we have as well. It's made it kind of quite accessible and easy for people to do. How's things with the hall, by the way? Everything everything going well? Uh, terrific. Yeah, the hall's going very well. We're, um, we're, we have something on at the hall almost every day. We've got some days where we've got three or four different events on. Yeah, uh, we're very lucky in that we have two. We have two halls, so it's it's um, it's quite nice to be able to have a small hall and a large hall, which are separate and yeah. independent of each other. Yeah. And it's uh, it, it's good. Fridays are difficult when bridge and dementia and the keep fit all turn up at the same time. But <laughs> other than other than that, Johnny, it's going it's going very well financially. We're we're good, and and uh, the committee are terrific. We have a terrific yeah. committee, and the trustees do their part as well. And uh, we're now looking forward to doing something with the pond, which sits outside the village hall. So we're, that's a project for twenty twenty three. Brilliant. Well, uh, fantastic stuff, Stuart. I mean, well done with everything that, that you're doing with the hall, but well done with the with the book and uh, and and the, the the digital memory bank. I really like the sound of that. Um, and all your ongoing work, it's uh, it's just a really good way of contributing to your local community. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah. And if anyone would like to read the book, by the way, how would they get a hold of a copy? Well, they they can't unfortunately, um, yep. because we we only printed uh, two hundred and fifty copies of the book because it was, as you can see, it would have been an expensive thing to produce. Yeah, and um, uh, we haven't done anything with it digitally yet, but we may. We'll see what the reaction is, and then if you know if there's a response, and uh, we can maybe make it available digitally. Uh, then we'll have a look at doing that. But at the moment, printed copies are are available to people in the village who want to buy a second copy. Yeah. But I think we've only got four left now, so um, it it won't be possible for anybody to go and buy one at a shop or anything. Yeah. And and if anyone wants to find out more as well about how you've gone about things and stuff. There's, there's bits and bobs on your website, which I'll I'll put a link to on uh, on the Village okay. Horse podcast. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I guess a key message here is if you like the sound of it, why not go out and do one for your own village, yeah? That's right, yeah, yeah. We could create a library of bygone reflections. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Well, many thanks again, Stuart. It's been really great finding out all about Middleton and Aislby, um the two villages and, and the people who live there, of course. That's very kind of you, Johnny. Thank you. Thanks, Stuart. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening in. Uh, for for anyone out there who's waiting to hear about our wonderful Village Awards winners, don't worry. We'll be catching up with our award winners as we move through Season 3. And we'll also have news for you in the coming months about this year's award. But in the meantime, many thanks to our headline sponsor and specialist insurance provider, Allied Westminster, for making our podcast possible and whose services you can discover more about at villageguard.com and to online booking system provider, Hallmaster, who also sponsor our podcast and can be found at hallmaster.co.uk. You've been listening to the Village Halls podcast, a unique listening community for Britain's village, church and community halls, and anyone interested in the vital community services they provide. We'll be back again soon with another episode, so for more information, please visit thevillagehallspodcast.com where you'll also find links to our social media pages. Thanks again for listening, and until the next time, goodbye for now.